Good morning. Our lesson for this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, the seventh chapter, verses 11 through 17. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. The Gospel of Jesus Christ.
Beloved, I ask that you would join with me in thanking God for both of these awesome choirs. I want to also acknowledge that the Spirit of God has moved in this place and has appointed a new pastor to lead this congregation or to lead First Church. And we give God thanks and we give God praise for Pastor Vanessa And of course, it is good to be back home. Amen? Amen. So since I'm home, I'll do what I normally do when I'm home. That is, I will try to lift the name of Jesus Christ. I invite your prayerful attention to our lesson for this morning on World Communion Sunday from The Gospel of Luke, the seventh chapter, the verses that I read into your hearing. And I want to talk for a few moments from the subject, the power of a prophetic ministry. The power of a prophetic ministry. Beloved, the crux of our lesson for this morning centers around the response of the large crowd of people who have gathered around Jesus in our lesson for today. In response to the miracle that Jesus performs, the crowd in verse 16 of our lesson responds by emphatically declaring, a great prophet has appeared among us. In a very real sense, their response to Jesus' ministry is nothing less than phenomenal. And the reason why their response to Jesus' ministry is nothing less than phenomenal is because of the way that prophets were generally received and acknowledged in his day. Some would argue that one of the reasons why verse 16 is so important to our understanding of the text or the lesson is because it is in this verse that the Spirit of God points our attention to the radical nature of the ministry that Jesus sought to establish during his earthly life and his earthly ministry. In actuality, this verse reveals for us a new way of us understanding and a new way for us envisioning our own ministry. Jesus' ministry was, in fact, a ministry that was used by God to help his disciples to embrace the kingdom of God for a new generation. All around us, there are individuals, there are pastors, and there are churches who are eager to have and to embrace the expression of the Christian faith that is known as a prophetic ministry. One of the components of a prophetic ministry that many people find attractive is its emphasis upon making a commitment 
to faithfully proclaim the uncompromised word of God in any and in every circumstance, regardless to the real and or to the perceived consequences that one might face. Proponents of this kind of ministry are persuaded that the thing that humanity needs most are men and women who are bold enough, who are courageous enough, and in some cases even brazen enough to declare the word of God regardless to the consequences and regardless to the circumstances that surround us. Some would argue, or some would go so far as to argue, that one of the main reasons why the church is not what God has called us to be is because the church is guilty of compromising the word of God instead of faithfully proclaiming the word of God. (laughs) Consequently, some would argue that in order for the church to regain its power, to recapture its calling, and to continue to be relevant to the world, The church must commit itself to engaging a style of ministry that is prophetic in nature. Even in light of its faithfulness to the biblical witness and to the inherent attractiveness of a prophetic ministry, there are, however, major challenges to those who seek to embrace a ministry of this nature. By far, the greatest challenge of this kind of ministry is that being a prophet is not an easy road to travel. As a matter of fact, in terms of ministry, it really is the road that is least traveled, even by those ministries that claim to be prophetic in nature. Being prophetic means that for every individual who listens and for every individual who embraces this kind of ministry. There are literally hundreds who were rejected in favor of a different kind of ministry. The simple truth of the matter is people don't like prophets. And for the most part, people don't take the time to listen to prophetic utterances. However, the point that our lesson is making is that people are prepared for for a prophetic ministry not merely because of what a prophet says, but rather it is what a prophet does that determines one's receptivity to a prophetic ministry. In our lesson, it is the miracle that Jesus performs that makes the crowd receptive to what a prophet says. I would submit to you this morning that if we really want our ministries to be prophetic, then it is imperative that we come to grips with the dynamics that are associated with both what Christ or what Jesus says as well as what he does. The question that we must ask ourselves is what are some of the elements of a prophetic ministry that gives it its power? And more importantly, what can we discover about a prophetic ministry that will help lead and guide us, and in some instances critique 
our own concept of ministry as we celebrate our ministry of two churches, but one home in the Lord on this World Communion Sunday in 2022. What can we discover from Jesus's earthly life and ministry that will help our ministry together to be more meaningful and more relevant to everyday life? These are the kinds of questions that should be burning in our hearts and bouncing in our heads and falling from our lips as we think about who we are, where we are, and where the spirit of the living God seeks to lead us together this morning. And one of the first things that we can discover from our lesson is the fact that a prophetic ministry is a ministry that is committed to identifying with individuals who are less fortunate than we are. In verse 12 of our lesson, our lesson states, as he that is, is, that is Jesus approached the town gate. A dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. Notice where Jesus' attention falls in our lesson. Jesus' attention is arrested by a woman. A woman who was obviously in mourning. She was in mourning for her son. And to make a bad matter worse, not only did she have to grieve the loss of her child, but she had to do it without her husband because apparently he had died sometime earlier in her life, as is indicated by the fact that she is referred to as a widow. In order for us to fully appreciate this woman's plight in life, we need to remind ourselves of the fact that to be a woman who was a widow in ancient Near Eastern culture was not only to be an individual who had to deal with the tragedy of losing one's spouse, but to be a widow was a social status as well. To be a woman without her husband was to be an individual who had no identity. She had no social status. And she had no economic standing. And in a very real sense, she was a person who had no voice. She was counted as one of the less fortunate ones in life. Notice even how the funeral procession is indicative of her social status. First, there's the corpse that is carried by the mourners. Then the grieving mother follows, who is a widow. And then there is a large crowd that consists, consisted of undifferentiated folks from the hamlet of Nain. Notice there are no folks from the synagogue. There are no members from her family. And there are no friends around to comfort her. As a matter of fact, her situation is so dire until there is not even no one from the funeral home who is in charge of the service for her son. She is by herself. She is alone. She is isolated. She is vulnerable and no doubt she is fearful and afraid. The point that our lesson is making is that at the very heart of a prophetic ministry are the needs of real people. 
In other words, if we want our ministry to be prophetic, the thrust of our ministry must be people. People who are hurting. People who are in need. People who are alone. People who are afraid. People who are isolated. People who are vulnerable. People who have no one to champion their cause. People who need help. And people who need us to take notice of them just as Jesus does in our lesson. This is the real power and ultimately this is the immense power of a prophetic ministry. A prophetic ministry is not a ministry that is wrapped up in predicting what will happen in the future. There are people who need us to take notice of them right now and not be wrapped up in interpreting signs in order to decipher what the future holds. The fact of the matter is most of the time these people who are counted as less fortunate in life already know what the future holds. If we do not get involved, if we do not let the love of Christ shine through our lives, their future holds more darkness, it holds more pain, and it holds more uncertainty. However, a prophetic ministry, as is indicated by the crowd's reaction to Jesus, is a ministry that seeks to identify with those who are oftentimes overlooked, ignored, ignored, ostracized, and marginalized by life's circumstances, and even at times by others. But there's something else that we can discover about a prophetic ministry. We not only discover from our lesson the fact that a prophetic ministry is a ministry that is committed with identifying with those who are less fortunate than we are, but we can also discover from our lesson the fact that a prophetic ministry is a ministry that is, res- that is committed to responding, to responding to individuals in ways that are compassionate. In verse 13 of our lesson, our lesson states that when the Lord Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. There are two things that are intriguing about this verse. First, this is the first time in Luke's gospel that Jesus displays any emotion in his life. And the emotion that he displays is one of compassion. A lesson states that Jesus' heart went out to her. The second thing that is intriguing is that this is the first time during Jesus' earthly ministry where he is referred to by his title and not just his name. Luke uses the title of Lord to signify the fact that Jesus possesses the power to change this woman's fate. He is not merely Jesus of Nazareth. He's not merely Mary's boy. Joseph is not merely his father. He is the Lord. The truth of the matter is compassion is much more than feeling sorry for someone. To have compassion on someone is much more than simply being able to identify with the plight of someone else's life. To have compassion is to be willing to do whatever is in our power to light, to make life better for somebody else. 
a prophetic ministry is a compassionate ministry. And the compassion that a prophetic ministry has is measured by what that ministry does in order to demonstrate its compassion. A prophetic ministry realizes that faith without works is dead. And a compassion and the compassion in our hearts must be demonstrated by the labor of our hands, by our good works, and by our deeds. A prophetic ministry is a ministry that realizes the fact that when God gives us a title, when God gives us a position, when God gives us an office, God gives it to us so that we might use it to have compassion on those who are less fortunate than we are. A lesson emphasizes that Jesus is referred to by his title because it is God's intention to drive home the point that God does not give us titles and positions, offices, gifts, and talents merely to serve ourselves, but rather so that we might have compassion and do something that will help others. The fact of the matter is we cannot have compassion on those who are hungry and not give them something to eat. We cannot have compassion on the sick and never have our names on the visitors list. We cannot mourn for those who have suffered loss and not every now and again make our way to a wake or to a funeral home or to a cemetery. We cannot say that we are sympathetic to those who are lonely, broken and destitute and never attempt to reach out and touch those who need a helping hand. Thirdly, we not only discover from our lesson the fact that a prophetic ministry is a ministry that is committed to identifying with individuals who are less fortunate than we are, and that a prophetic ministry is a ministry that is committed to responding to individuals in ways that are compassionate. But we can also discover from our lesson the fact that a prophetic ministry is a ministry that is committed to doing that that is radical. In verse 14 of our lesson, we get a glimpse of the radical nature of a prophetic ministry. When according to our lesson, our lesson says, then he is, that is Jesus, went up and touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. There are many of us here this morning who would view what Jesus does in our lesson as weird bizarre or even outlandish. Some folks would even go so far as to say that what Jesus does in our lesson is a little over the top. But look at how God responds to this kind of radical faith. One of the facts and one of the great challenges that confronts the church today is the fact that people are no longer content with simply accepting traditional viewpoints, traditional understandings, and traditional beliefs of any body of believers. Today, everything is questioned. Everything is open to investigation, and everything is scrutinized. Today, with the access to the information superhighway, with the advances in science and technology, and with a world that for all intensive purposes nor embraces traditional morals and values, if the church is to make a difference in the world, then the church, just as Jesus does in our lesson, must be willing to do that 
which is nothing less than radical. In order to do, in order to do that, that is radical, it requires openness. It requires creativity. And it requires our willingness to take risk. Just imagine what would have happened if Jesus had said, young man, I say to you, get up and nothing had happened. Most likely his ministry would have been the laughing stock of Israel instead of the powerful, life changing ministry that we know it to be today. The point that our lesson is making is that a prophetic ministry is not content with simply settling for traditional ways of doing things. If there are needs that are not being met by the way that we do ministry, we need to examine them. We need to begin to do things that are radical. If it works, that's fine. But if it's broke, outdated, and has seen its best days, then the people of God are under divine mandate to use our creativity to do something different. As a matter of fact, this radical kind of ministry was the very hallmark of Jesus's ministry. He did things that defied the mindset of his day. He spat on the ground, made clay, placed it on a man's eyes and told him to wash himself and then he would receive his sight. He took a few small fish and a few small loaves of bread and literally fed thousands. He turned over tables in the temple in order to remind the worshipers of the radical nature of worship. He blew on his disciples and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He performed great exercise in order to liberate people from the iron clutches of darkness. He recruited, he recruited a small band of individuals who for the most part were unknowns, unlearned, unschooled, and literally changed the course of human history. And I submit to you this morning that if we want our ministry to be prophetic, as well it should be, then we must insist on being radical. We must insist on being innovative. And we must insist on creativity in our thinking. Fourthly, someone's saying, I wonder when he's going to finish. We not only discover from our lesson the fact that a prophetic ministry is committed to identifying with individuals who are less fortunate than we are. It is not only a ministry that is committed to responding to individuals in ways that are compassionate. And it's not only a ministry that is committed to doing that that is radical. But we can also discover from our lesson the fact that a prophetic ministry is committed to doing that which brings people real hope. In verse 15 of our lesson, our lesson declares the dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Once again, the intriguing aspect of this verse is what Jesus does. Jesus personally brings the young man and gives him back to his mother. She who was hopeless now not only has her son back, but she now has hope 
Because it is through her son that her identity will be restored. In ancient Near Eastern culture, the social structure of that day identified those who were marginalized as widows, orphans, and strangers. These classes of people possessed no power. They had no voice and usually possessed no real hope for a brighter future. With respect to this woman, or with respect to women who were widows, it was the significant men in a widow's life that gave her voice, gave her an opportunity to be heard, and gave her hope to change her status in life. In our lesson, Jesus does not resurrect the young man and then allow him to go on his way. He brings him to his mother in order to emphasize that now that God has given him his life back, he is now obligated to support his mother so that she has hope. The implications of what Jesus does is crystal clear for those of us who understand the power of a prophetic ministry. A ministry that is prophetic emphasizes that God gives us another chance. God transfers us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. God saves us. God sanctifies us. God liberates us. Not so that we can do our own thing, but so that we might use our lives to bring real hope to others. A prophetic ministry emphasizes that I have been bought with a price and that the life that I now live is not my own. But it is one where I am obligated to allow the Lord to live out his life in and through me. It is our responsibility to allow the Lord to work and to will and to do his good pleasure. The new life that we have in Christ is not a life of leisure. It is not a life of luxury. And it is not a life of pleasure. It is a life where we are to work while it is day. For the night is coming when no one can work. I wonder how I got a witness in the house. A prophetic ministry emphasizes that all around us there are individuals, there are groups, there are neighborhoods, there are churches, there are cities, there are states, and there are even entire nations who need to know of the hope that is ours in the Christ Jesus. There are children who are dying, there are elderly who are lonely, there are hungry mouths that need to be fed, there are families that need shelter, there are sick bodies that need to be healed, and there are lost souls that needs salvation a prophetic ministry cannot in good conscience promise that if we pray hard enough God will restore the dead as Jesus did on that day however the church that ministers in Jesus name can certainly become family to those who suffer loss in their lives we cannot give back our lost sons and daughters but we can be brothers and sisters and children to those who have suffered the loss of a loved one in their lives. A prophetic ministry cannot give back our brothers and our sisters who lose their lives to drugs, alcohol, and street violence. But what a prophetic ministry can do is to challenge some of the structures and address some of the societal ills that lend themselves to our young folk killing our young folk, to our young men being killed and our young daughters and leaving their mothers 
mothers and fathers to try to raise a family on their own. To many of our young men, they are incarcerated. Too many of our young men are killed and ruined by the various social, political, and economic structures that make life vulnerable for widows, orphans, and strangers, for the church to merely sit uninvolved, disinterested, and detached. What is more important is that a prophetic ministry does not wait for those who have no hope to come to us. We must take the initiative just as Jesus does in our lesson and we must bring them hope it is merely a it is merely a coincidence is it merely a coincidence that American Christians continue to spend more money on pet food chewing gum video rental, rentals and so on than we give to the poor the needy and to the marginalized could it be that it is because our ministries do not realize that it is our divine mandate to bring hope to those who are hopeless a prophetic ministry emphasizes that it is our responsibility to find somebody to find anybody and to reach out to everybody in order to let them know that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness on Christ the solid rock I stand all of the ground is sinking sand I wonder have I got a witness in the house Say yeah, church. Say yeah. Say yeah. Fifth, fifth, and finally. We not only discover from our lesson the fact that a prophetic ministry is a ministry that is committed to identifying with individuals who are less fortunate than we are. It's not only a ministry that is committed to responding to individuals in ways that are compassionate. It is not only a ministry that is committed to doing that that is radical. And it is not only a ministry that is committed to doing things that bring real hope to real people. But we can also discover from our lesson the fact that a prophetic ministry is a, is a ministry that is committed to doing only those things that bring glory to God. In response to the miracle that Jesus performs in our lesson, look at what happens in verses 16 and 17 of our lesson. Our lesson states, then that is the crowd from the town of Nain were all filled with awe and praised God. Yeah. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. And watch this. News about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. The honest truth of the matter is that our lesson flies in the face of many of our preconceived notions and many of our preconceived ideas as to what constitutes a prophetic ministry. 
A prophetic ministry is not about providing a critique to the various social, political, and economic systems of the world that we live in. A prophetic ministry is not about having the title of a prophet before our names. A prophetic ministry is not about accurately predicting what predicting what will or what will not happen in the future. In our lesson, the reason why the crowd calls Jesus a prophet is because they see God in his actions. They stand in awe of what Jesus has done and they praise God as they they exclaim, God has come to help his people. Please don't let me hurt you this morning. But the fact of the matter is, many of our churches and many of our ministries are weak, ineffective, and powerless to transform lives and to change our environment because the world sees too much of us and not enough of Jesus. Far too many of us want to be the head and not the tail. We want to lead instead of follow. And we want to be seen and heard instead of being used by God. There are still far too many big eyes and little U's even in this fellowship gathering. Therefore, We must learn how to be a church that learns how to work across our racial lines in order to be effective in bringing glory to God. We don't do it for headlines. We don't do it for news coverage. We do it so that others might see God in and through our collaboration. The truth of the matter is, if we want our church, if we want our ministries, and if we want our lives to be prophetic, the answer is simple. Move self out of the way and let others get a glimpse of the God who is inside of us. And as others see God working in and through us to help somebody else, When this happens, God will be praised, God will be glorified, and the kingdom of God will be advanced. Lives will be changed, and people will sit up and take notice. The truth of the matter is, far too many of us are not able to experience renewal, Restoration, revival, and new beginning in our lives because we do not appreciate that there are some battles in our lives that God must fight on our behalf. There are some habits that cannot be broken unless God fights our battles. There are some attitudes that cannot be changed unless God changes them. There are some bills that cannot be paid unless God pays them. There are some diseases that cannot be healed in our lives unless God heals them. That is why you and I, when the worship starts, are challenged to gather and to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. I don't know about anybody else, but I thank God that I may not be where I want to be. May not have what I want to have. But I thank God that God keeps blessing me, not because of 
for this spider. Have I got a witness? If God has blessed you, why don't you stand on your feet and give God glory? Give God honor and give God praise. Let your light shine so that others might see your good work and give God glory and give God praise. God bless you first, church. God bless you first, Baptist. And to God be the glory.